Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say, your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions. Supply. The dream is made real! Ricky Hatt rocks the world! How do you like it? How do you like it? I wish I was 50 years younger no, no, and I'd no. kick your ass. It's over! Mamma mia! He's done it! Anthony Joshua defeats Vladimir Klitschko! Uh. Welcome, fight fans, to this special episode of BTR Boxing Podcast with me, your host, Sean, joined today by the author of a new Rocky Marciano book, The Life of Rocky Marciano. It's called Redemption. I'm I'm really looking forward to talking to you today. Your name, of course, is John Cameron. I'm really looking forward to hearing about Rocky Marciano, your, your interest in him, what this book is all about, and, and how... The challenges you've faced have, have, have affected it and, and how things have gone for you during the course of putting this, this great book together. So, John, please do the honours. Introduce yourself onto the show uh, and let's talk about Rocky. Hi, Sean. Well, thank you for having me on here. Thank you for the opportunity and any chance to talk about Rocky that I get is always a good chance. To those listening, my name's John Cameron. As you can hear, I'm an English author and I'm working on a project on Rocky Marciano called Redemption, The Life of Rocky Marciano, Volume 1, available now, Volume 2, on its way next year. So let's start by talking about Rocky and, and where this, where your fixation of Rocky came from, because out of all the boxers in boxing history, Rocky Marciano, for you, seems to be the one that you focused all your projects on and, and, and all your... Your blood, sweat, and tears literally are going into to this project. Uh, part one, as you said, is available. Part two, you're undergoing that at the moment. But where did this fascination with Rocky come from? Well, when I was a child, I'm 50 years old this year, so I'm a 70s child. Rocky passed away in 69, so he wasn't even around when I was born. But when I was a child, I, I was in a fight in the playground once, and... Um, I wanted to learn how to punch this kid back. So I went to boxing lessons down at our local gymnasium 
And as soon as I got interested in boxing, my father, who was in the army when Rocky was a champion, just started telling me about Rocky Marciano. And it, my fascination just grew from that, really. So for the last 40 plus years now, I've just been absolutely fascinated with the guy, how he was able to do what he did when he seemed to be so small. He was only a small guy, and yet he was able to do what he'd done. It's a fascinating story. It's a, it is a fascinating story indeed. I Obviously, a lot, I've got a lot of knowledge on, on the history of the sport because, as you know, we do our own series based on a lot of fighters mm-hmm. histories and, and and what we do there but rocky's not someone we've got to yet and he is someone that will appear on our career profiles in the future but you know just just coming from from your perspective obviously you've had this this love for him this fatuation with him for a long time now and and he's been the sole focus of, of this particular project what was it that compelled you to 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 put this project out there is it is it the lack of literature out there on rocky is it because we're in a new generation and maybe not enough people know about what he achieved in his career it's pretty much both the same really it he's always been well for the last 20 30 years he's been very much either overlooked or underrated he's i describe him as a marmite kind of fighter you either love rocky marciano or you don't and because he was such a small guy a lot of Modern boxing fans now would say he wouldn't stand a chance in the modern era. But I want to get across to him the fact that Rocky Marciano was more than just a fighter. He was an exceptional fighting machine. And had he been around in the modern era, he he would just be, he would be devastating. So many, many years ago, the only book that was actually available to buy from the bookshops before the advent of the internet and your ability to be able to order books from 40, 50, 60 years ago was Everett M. Skian's biography on Rocky. And as I was reading that, I was thinking, being an ex-boxer myself, I was thinking there's something missing from this story. There's so much that's missing. So I set about initially to find out for myself. And as my material started building up, I thought I'd I've got to do what I can to try and get this story out there to more people so more people understand just who Rocky was and I could start breaking some of the myths that people keep putting out and about about Rocky, which I've tried to do in the first volume and I will be doing in the second volume. There's the first volume which follows him up until 1949 and in that it covers a lot of his early career. So hopefully people will learn more. They need to understand that Rocky Marciano wasn't a a blown up fighter he was a real devastating machine well this is this is why i wanted you to come on really to talk about your book because like myself you know you've got an avid passion for for the history of the sport and one fighter in particular you know for you he's rocky there's many fighters for me personally but you know you look at one one standout fighter from one particular era and yeah you're right rocky marciano kind of sits between different different eras of where you had you you had your like the likes of ali coming after rocky marciano but before him you had the likes of joe lewis and jack johnson uh, and even way back as john l sullivan you know these these are the types of names that kind of people throw around kind of quite easily but don't really put any context to who these people were or what they were really about or like you say you rightly pointed out that many people look at Rocky Marciano because he was only what five ten and a half that he wouldn't be able to to to, to hang it with these bigger giant 
guys of the division these days when you've got your Furies at your what six foot nines and you've got your six foot three six foot four Joshua's and Usyk's you know people look at it and go well you know he was only a small guy but so was Mike Tyson when he came along years later he was a small guy but look what he was able to uh, achieve in a short space of time the other big factor about Rocky uh, as, as most people know is that he retired undefeated he was an undefeated champion now People will argue about him and his resume and, and, and people do like to go on social media and have plenty of debates about it. But this is not what we're here to do now. We're here to learn about your book and we want to learn a, a bit more about, without going too much into it, because I want people to go out there and look at your book and read it and buy it. Is there any sort of particular moments that you can share about Rocky that maybe people don't already know? Any tidbits of information that can kind of peak people's interest on him well listen there's one or two incidences that are in the book that have never been shared before so if i give too much away it is going to give the book away isn't it? <laughs> yeah but, definitely don't. Yeah, don't want to give anything away but essentially as i was saying it's the book really is not only telling his life story it's just trying to break up some of the myths and the things that people misunderstand about Rocky or use against him. I mean, for instance, they'll always say that his early career was built on setups and that he was just fed opponents in order to bolster his reputation. But the exact opposite was actually true. When he first turned professional, he had his first professional fight in 1947. And there's a lot of myths and rumours about that fight, which are covered in the book. For instance, in his first professional fight, he wasn't actually even... um, declared as being from Brockton. He was actually declared as being from Westover um, base, which was a, a an army encampment that his best friend, Ali Colombo, was actually based at at the time. So his first professional fight wasn't as a Brockton boy at all. But his first forays into the proper professional boxing game, as it were, in 19, late 1948, early 1949, his manager, I. Wilde, saw so little in Rocky that he didn't even manage him for his first six or seven fights. He just threw him back into Providence, Rhode Island, and essentially let him get on with it himself. And Rocky was actually used at the time as kind of the, the setup for other fighters. They bring other fighters in to, to face Rocky, thinking that he was going to be another name on these guys' resume. And Rocky just kept knocking them out, which didn't sit very well with uh, some of the Providence managers at the time who thought they were getting a, an easy guy and we're promising all their friends and acquaintances that yeah it's fine we got this guy called Rocky you can just add his name to your record and Rocky went and knocked him out and was starting to add to his so in his early career he he wasn't being fed setups he was being fed as a setup but he just kept winning and winning and winning that's the that that is one of the big myths. So that is a big argument people do have. Is mm-hmm. they talk about his record being a padded record, and you know the yeah. fact that he's fought a hell of a lot in in Rhode Island Auditorium in Providence. That that that's where he spent most of his career doing that. However, the difference is is obviously if he's being left to be unmanaged and he's he's literally going his own way, and he's kind of being seen as the uh, the away fighter, so to speak. But yeah, he's the one that's actually coming in there and, and beating all these guys and. And one other factual bit of information, again, for people that don't know, out of them 49 wins, he knocked 43 of these guys out, which is exactly. a hell of, it's, it's a hell of a record. It's a hell of a percentage record to have throughout his career. So he wasn't just 
anybody and and you know he's fighting all types of different guys different styles he's fighting guys that are much taller than him guys that are similar size so he he did actually go on to face a lot of different people throughout his career but as time goes on for his career that's when you start to see the bigger names come into the come into the forefront before he eventually does get his his, his long-awaited title shot uh, joe lewis being you know one of the big names in in 1951 when he fights joe lewis and people go oh well well he was over the hill Joe Lewis at this point that may be the case however he was a big name he is considered one of the greatest of all time in the sport so for for, for Rocky to do what he did to Joe at that point was a huge statement for mm. for Rocky's yeah. career of course it was uh, and it's 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 kind of strange to me like how it took so many fights for him to get his world title shot. I mean, like you say, he debuted in 1947, but it took him up until 1952 to get his shot at Jersey Joe Walcott, who was the then NBA heavyweight champion of the world. I mean, I know there's going to be a lot of stuff in the book that that will give us a bit more context to all that, but it, it for me, it just always felt strange when looking back at his career and going through it. It's like, why? Why did it take so long for him to get it? And it was quite clear from from his resume and the people he were fighting that he was more than good enough. He was more than good enough to get his shot at a heavyweight title before that. If you um, if you go back into the history, as, as you well know, it wasn't unusual for fighters to fight for five, ten, even fifteen years and build up. 40, 50, 60 fights before they were even considered for a championship battle. So, you know, Rocky had 43 fights before he fought for the, or 42 before he actually fought for the championship, which wasn't a huge number of fights. Just don't forget he was 24 when he turned professional, which is really old for a professional fighter. So you think about he turned professional, properly professional in 1948, and he retired in 19. 56. So he only actually fought for eight years, which was really short back then for for any sort of um, a fighter who retired under his own steam. He fought a guy called Harry Kid Matthews just previous to his world title uh, stint against Joe Wilcott. And Matthews had been fighting professionally since 1937. So Rocky was really quite a, a not a flash in the pan, but he was, he was quite his ascent was quite fast for the 1950s. Going back to your book then, in terms of getting the material and the research to put it together, I mean, we know how difficult it is trying to get a, a career profile together and trying to find all them tidbits of information and trying to trawl through the different newspaper articles from many, many years ago to find certain reports and certain quotations for, for our episodes. What sort of challenges did you face in putting this, this first part of his, his story together? Well, originally, when I first even thought about the idea of actually doing a story, it was back in the 1990s, so it was before the internet even came along. So it was a bit of a pipe dream back then, to be honest. All I was doing then was snail mail, was writing letters off to people and just hoping I was going to get some sort of response. So it was really with the advent of the internet and uh, a changing career in 2007, which is when I started really piling into it but I've got the added advantage that I'm concentrating on one person. So I can give all my attention to the one person, but it is difficult, but it's, you know, I just keep, I've keep plowing forward. I've got research material from all over the world. I keep reaching out to people, people who knew Rocky, people who, who've met Rocky only briefly. Social media is a massive help because people 
post on there about their meetings and I just reach out to them. Newspaper archives are a great source. And just contacting libraries or something else I did was I contacted the libraries of every area that you'd been in and just asked them, can you look in your files and look in your sources? And also I didn't have a time constraint on the first volume really. So I wasn't under pressure to, to get it finished within a certain time scale, but which I've now put on myself because I'm trying to get volume two done by the end of next year to celebrate his hundredth, hundredth birthday. But it, it, it was a long, it's a long chore, but if you want to do something enough, it, you'll do it. You'll find a way of doing it. Yeah, well, you've obviously been you've been plugging away for a while, and it's got to the point where you've got the first volume out now, which is obviously some of these. It's predominantly about his earlier years and his introduction to the sport and and going into his first couple of years as a professional. So it really it's giving the reader context to what Rocky was all about, rather than just solely focusing in one book about his boxing career, which is what I like about the way you've done it. Is because you know some some books come out and they try and cram the life of a fighter and the career of a fighter into three you know maybe 400 pages maximum you've split it across two books for people so it's not just you know you're not all missing the detail you're keeping the detail there but you kind of you're splitting it away and it might sound a really strange comparison john but i think of like a book in particular that springs out to mind is 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 the way like they've done the uh, well, not so much the book version but the the film version of of the harry potter series and they did the the deathly hallows and they did part one and part two in a film because the final book was so big and so detailed that they didn't want to miss anything from the the actual film itself and by doing what you've done with the rocky marciano autobiography that you're doing you're giving the opportunity for people to read about his early years, his life, his, his, his upbringing and his introduction to the sport. And then in the second part, you're actually getting into the, the nitty gritty detail of his career and how things went for him throughout his world championship reign. And then more importantly, what happened afterwards? You know, it's common knowledge what happens to, to Rocky Marciano. Unfortunately, as we know, he dies in 1969 in a mm. plane crash. So we never get to see what else he was going to do you know, in in his in his post fight career, which I found quite interesting, because when we was doing one of our episodes, uh, particular on Muhammad Ali, the super fight, you know, that came up. The computer yeah. the computer generated fight between Marciano and Ali was something that you know that really intrigued me greatly because of of, of Marciano being compared to. Uh, to, to Ali and, and how would he have got on against Muhammad Ali and, and obviously they did this computer simulated fight and uh, I remember reading the story of, of Rocky needing a hairpiece because he was obviously going bald at this point yeah. and he had to try and lose a bit of weight and then they had to film uh, a couple of different endings which was then shown in different places of the world and I just found that story in particular on its own really compelling about Rocky um, but I've, I've seen lots of things over the years about him, I've seen pictures of him meeting Sonny Liston and you kind of look at it and you think oh my word you know what sort of conversation would those two have had and what sort of fight would those two have if they ever have crossed paths in the professional ring so there is a lot more to to Rocky's story than than what meets the eye other than the factual pieces of information when you did the research for this what other interesting bits of information uh, did you find out that you can share and was there anything that surprised you it was um 
certain things that surprise the thing that i always wanted to find out is, is most of the biographies like you say there's very few there was very few biographies there's been a few released recently so so interesting rocky is starting to to raise its head a little bit but there's so much missing as i say so one of the things that i wanted to find out was how at the age of 24 rocky marciano suddenly decided to become a boxer because he showed no interest in his youth in wanting to be a boxer he he sparred with a few people but he, he had no interest he wanted to be a baseball player so all the books that i read and all the reports of magazine articles i read would go on through his life or through his youth and say how oh, he loved baseball loved baseball loved baseball and then suddenly bang he's a professional boxer so i thought how did he become a professional boxer so i looked into his army records and discovered a few interesting things in there several years ago which mike stanton wrote about as well in his recent biography but if an event hadn't happened when he was in the army which as i say you'll read about in my book and in mike stanton also wrote about it rocky would not have left the army when he did at the end of 1946 he'd have left it about a year earlier and if he had left a year earlier and he did, he probably would never have become a professional boxer because his boxing career really took off or he showed a great interest in it when he was with Fort Lewis, which is just outside of Washington. And he joined the boxing team and he was so successful in there. He won a couple of amateur tournaments. So when he got out of Fort Lewis, he turned amateur and he won the um Massachusetts and New England Golden Gloves, one after the other in Lowell, Massachusetts. And it was that really that spurred him on to become a professional boxer. It's so interesting. I've managed to find Sorry? Oh, go on, carry on, John. Sorry. I was going to say, I've just found that I wanted to find the thread of how he started and what it was that turned him into a professional fighter. So I'm quite pleased that I've managed to cover that. I've covered his amateur career as well. They said he only had 12 amateur fights. He didn't. He had a lot more than that. Going into the newspaper archives, he's, he, he had a, at least 16 recorded amateur fights. So I've got all of that, covered all of that aspect of it right through up until, as I say, up to Carmine Vingo. So I think people who, who want to know about the early career of Rocky Marciano, they're going to find a lot of information. 417 pages, just up to 1949. So I couldn't do it in one book. It would be It would be huge. Yeah, well, this is this is what, like I said, I made, I made that comparison earlier. People might be laughing when, when I made the comparison, but I'm making it in the sense that, yeah. I, I, well, I think it's it's all about the detail. For me personally, as as, as a, a avid boxing fan and, and, and sort of amateur historian, as I like to sort of consider myself, I like to look at the detail of, of how these stories came about, and it's what compels me to, to sit and do the podcasts that we do, because... I feel like we're getting a thorough education and I feel like what you've put together for volume one is going to be a thorough education on that part of Rocky's life. And and, and obviously you've put the pressure on yourself, as you say, to get book two out uh, by the end of next year. So then that gives you the opportunity to then capitalize on, on, on obviously this this sort of rearing its head, as you said, you know, the, the, the interest that's, that's coming out because I feel like he doesn't get justice 
I don't feel like people speak about him the way they should do. And and this is what kind of irritates me as a, as a fan. It's like I see other fans that are maybe, like I said at the start of, uh, of the show, people that are maybe born after a certain time period don't really appreciate the art form and, and the preservation of the art form of the sport. And I think it's important that books like this uh, and thorough research uh, and detailed books come out because... You know, long after we're not here anymore, it's how the sport gets preserved and it's how history gets preserved is, is having this detail there to be able to then educate future generations on, on certain fighters and certain individuals. And, you know, people should be going back and, and looking at the likes of Marciano. And I'm not saying they don't, for sure. I just feel like we're in a generation where people do easily forget because of how long ago it was that he was fighting and, and, and how long ago he, you know, he was here on earth and he was on this planet and, you know, people do quickly forget and time goes on and it, and it's sad, but this is the beauty of having the books and the literature out there and people like yourself, John, that are doing this because then we get the opportunity to, to become re, re-immersed in, in Rocky's world and kind of visualise what it was like to be around him and get this sort of interpretation of what it was like to live in, in that lifestyle that he had. So it's it's really good that you've you've done this and I'm really excited to get stuck into it ahead of our episode on, on Rocky and I'm really excited to get number two out next year because it'll be really good to see what other bits of research that you've put together and how you've got it in there and all these stories that I might not already know myself and, and that, that's the beauty of it is bringing bringing these stories and telling them to people that people don't already know. And I get a thrill out of it personally. And I'm sure the feedback that you've had, which has been fantastic, which I've seen is probably the thrill is probably your thrill as well is knowing that people are reading this book and going, well, well, I never knew that. And I never knew this. And and you get this, you get this feeling of like, well, there you go. That's a job done for me. Well, it's a, it is. I can't reiterate it enough. Just how, amazed i am by the actual positive feedback so far it's just been extraordinary and i feel i feel honored to be honest and proud that i know that i'll put something out there that that would if rocky was around today he'd go yeah well done well done and especially speaking to so many people and so many people from the family to friends etc who reached out and i've talked to i've found some really fascinating stuff that has never come out before and i've had information shared in images photographs shared by the family so for them to see that people are responding so positively to what i've done is is a great thrill it really is a great thrill to me so and i know that that by the positivity that's come through they're going to be even more willing to help me with the second volume as we move forward so it's great and it really is fantastic just going off the cuff a little bit from the conversation that we're having, something that's come into my mind is when I talk about like Rocky Marciano and, and the respect that I think he, he has he has earned throughout his life and his career and how people forget about it. There's one moment in, in the 1980s which I'll refer back to uh, and it came up when we was doing one of our episodes, and it was the moment where Larry Holmes says in a press conference, <laughs> "I think it's I after the, gonna... <laughs> I think it's yeah. after the." I knew the... you were going to bring that up. I think it was after the Spinks <laughs> fight. I think it was the first Spinks fight, and he lost to Spinks, and he come out and said about Rocky Marciano can't carry my. It was just strap. before. It was literally just before the fight, and he and he came out and because they were asking him about if he'd have beaten Spinks, he would have gone forty nine and zero, and they said, "How do you feel about?" 
equal in Rocky Marciano's record and then he came out with that immortal line of Rocky couldn't carry me jockstrap. But the worst thing, the thing that really sort of got the Marciano family more than anything about that, and, and Larry Holmes has since come out and apologised and said he didn't mean it. And he was even at the um, the Rocky statue unveiling back in 2005, I think it was. So he's made his peace with the Marciano family. But at the time he said it, actually in the press conference in the room was Peter Marciano, Rocky's youngest brother. So I didn't go down too well. <laughs> No, no, I definitely didn't. I remember going through the story of it and thinking, like, how how can how can he say that? Like, I know he was obviously a great champion of his time, but it's like, how how can he say that? But I I also knew that he'd apologised and he'd made his peace yeah. as well. So it was, um, <laughs> but it just it just it just made me laugh because I was just like, you know, the, these people refer to certain individuals, and I think like at the time he must have he must have been out of a bit of jealousy or something because of the respect Probably. Rocky had and that's why he said it because obviously they were looking at him equally in that record as you rightly pointed out he was uh, he was very close to doing so and it was that fight with Spinks that he lost that that he could have equaled that record and and obviously there's 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 one particular fighter which has gone past that point and it's debatable as to how you perceive that particular fighter. And I'm referring to Floyd Mayweather, of course, getting to that uh, elusive 50, you know, and, 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 and creating his own little bit of history there. For me personally, I mean, this is my own thoughts on it. I don't consider it to be, even though it says on his record, 50, you know, I don't consider it to be that because obviously, you know, he's, the, the people he was sharing the wing with at the time to take him to that point... Well, let, let's let's yeah. let's have it right. It wasn't really uh, it wasn't really what it should have been, uh, and yet he gets that sort of nod in the history book of being a fifty and old fighter and retiring undefeated, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. I think for me personally, Rocky Marciano was the only guy to have uh, to have done it, followed by Joe Calzaghe. You know, these are the guys mm-hmm. that I think have legitimately done this throughout their career, uh, and and it's some achievement. To, to be able to do that, to be able to go 49 fights with no defeats on your record in, in a time where these guys would fight 50, 60, 70, 80, even 100 times throughout their professional career. Yeah. For me, it just all it screams is is how, how tough these guys were, how dedicated to the sport these guys were. Uh, and it, it, in some respects, I kind of feel it puts a little bit of the modern era to shame in, in, in some ways because... Of, of the era we're look, currently in and we're looking at and we live through. Now, it's like these guys will fight, if you're lucky, 40 to 50 times throughout the career and that's it. These guys were fighting yeah. 60, 70, 80 times throughout throughout the professional career. And obviously, Rocky was different because he started late on, as you rightly pointed out. So he got yeah. to 49 and 0. If he had started three or four years earlier, yeah, it definitely would have been 50, 60 fights easily. Oh. Oh, easy. Yeah, easy. He'd have been he'd have been 55, 60 fights. Also as well, I mean, like, like I said earlier, he had 40, 42 of those fights between 1940, 1940, technically 1947, although his first professional fight was kept off his record until he was up into the up into the 40s himself. So between 1948, 1952, he had 40, 41, 42 fights. So and then when he won the world title he only fought twice a year so had he been fighting three years before that yeah he was having eight nine ten eleven fights a year he, he would have been way up there in the late 50s early 60s easy easy 
So and he probably would have got more respect because he would probably have faced Joe Lois when Joe Lois was just on the slide rather than rather than way on the slide. Yeah, <laughs> he would have won that fight. Well, this 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 is it. It's, I mean, there's a lot of there's a lot of if buts and maybe's with with stuff yeah. like this. But and and the big but for me is that the, what's important is you know when he when he was up against these guys when he was up against these names he won. He beat them, yeah, regardless he, of whether, exactly. the, regardless of whether they're at the end of the careers or whether they're. I mean, I mean, you got to look at the names on his resume towards the end of his career when things started to really pick up. I mean, even in 1950, when he when he fights at the time, Roland Lastraza, who was 37 and 0, you know that yeah. that stands out a mile yeah. at that point of his career. But then when he starts to get in with the likes of Lee Savold, who at that point had had about 160 fights, and then like you say, Harry Matthews, Jersey Joe Walcott, Roland Lastraza again, twice against Cesar Charles, and obviously our very own Don Cockell, and then Archie yeah. Moore was his final fight, Archie Moore. The old mongoose, you know, one of the greatest fighters of all time. Rocky was in such esteemed yeah. company, uh, and I, I feel like people again. And I say I've said it a lot in this interview. People just don't really seem to appreciate it, and I think people just look at him and go, "Well, all he was was a guy who really should have been maybe a cruiserweight, maybe like heavyweight at best, who who was in an era where it was much much easier for him." And and people make these these comparisons, but I find it I find it very difficult because we we just will never know how he would have got on against these these different characters. And what made me quite interested when we did this research for the super fight was that there was obviously a recording which had Marciano beating Muhammad Ali and knocking him mm-hmm. out in round 13. I mean, you know, look on paper, Ali was what? Was he 6'1", 6'2", Ali? Uh, much yeah. bigger, really, much longer reach than Rocky Marciano. He was only at 68 inches, so... For for me, people could have sat there and gone, oh, well, this is Ali all day. He had the skills, he had the ability. But how how would we know that? Because we, we don't know Rocky Marciano's style. He seemed to have a way, even though it was quite a rugged style. He was he was he he had a way of beating all these guys. He found a way. That's why he retired undefeated. Exactly, exactly. And that's the, it's like, you can only beat the guys that are put in front of you. So the fact that he did beat every single person he faced professional ring is outstanding and the computer fight as well i mean people say oh ali was six foot one six foot two he was rocky wouldn't have stood a chance if anyone i don't really like to speculate on rocky against fighters from any other era because like you say we just don't know but if there was any comparisons to make it was joe frazier always used to say that he based his style roughly loosely on rocky marciano and Muhammad Ali always maintained that Marciano was very much like Joe Frazier. And he's, he, he, the two became really good, as you probably know for your research, became really good close friends for the short while that Rocky survived after the computer fight. And Muhammad Ali, to his eternal credit, would never, never badmouth Rocky, never talk down about Rocky, he always regarded him as one of the great heavyweights of all time. And, you know, he should know he was in the ring with a, there was 20 years age difference. And Muhammad Ali said afterwards, he couldn't even lift his arms to shave because just getting bumped, just bumping into Rocky, he said hurt. So I can only imagine what it would have been like to fight him in his prime. And he, he never came out outright said in his braggadocio moments, he would do as anyone would, but in his coma moments when he was just being spoken to, he, he would never claim that he could beat Rocky even saying that he thought if they had a fight, Rocky might even win. So, 
Well, there so you go. Be a Fraser, Fraser Alley scenario if those two ever met. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's I mean, it's nice having that moment to be able to speculate on on stuff like that. But I suppose like Rocky Marciano for me had his era. He he, he had that mm-hmm. era between that period of time. And part one obviously is covered as we've mentioned uh, a lot of his early beginnings, how he got into the sport, as you've mentioned, and 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 sort of the first couple of years. But part two, part two is obviously which is what you're currently working on now is is going to be even more interesting because then we're going to get into the depths of his career and and look at some of the bigger fights and and how his retirement and why he retired why did he decide to do it then could he have gone on any longer you know there's a lot more to the story then following part one and, and i'm really really intrigued to see what what comes of part two and i know you've got a lot of work on now to get part mm-hmm. two out in a in a in a shorter time frame but now you've done book one now book one's out there and you can focus on book two do you feel like now you're better equipped to be able to put book two together in a shorter period of time there's definitely, I've definitely got a little bit of experience now. You know, the amount of work I put into book one, I'm thinking, blimey, I've, I haven't really got that long, have I? So I better, I better crack on with it. And more information comes to me all the time. So I could get to a point where we could be in very early September next year and suddenly a new bit of information will pop up. So I'll be, I'll be adding to it and tweaking it right up to the very last second but the information that's going to be in there is is going to be it's going to be good it's going to be a, yeah it's going to be a bigger book than the first one as well and i'm really looking forward to i mean i've obviously got a lot of research and a lot of stories about his retirement years but i'm looking forward to to letting everyone know about his retirement years as well because obviously his professional career his world championship career most of the stories of them on that we we all know, but it's it's the the hidden Rocky, the Rocky from his youth and the Rocky from his retirement, where we get to see the real the real Rocco Marcogiano, as it were. That I'm really looking forward to being able to to show everyone. So, book one is available uh, on Amazon. You've sent the links to me. They'll mm-hmm. be posted out on the episode notes and they'll be posted out onto our social media channels so that people can go and buy the book on Amazon. Uh, is there any other available publishers or is it just solely for Amazon? It's solely Amazon. It's The whole thing is a purely independent project, so... I'm doing it all off my own back. I'm finding that a little a little bit easier in some regards because it means I can do what I need to do and not have the constraints of putting it under one volume or cutting anything out or doing anything else. Obviously, it has its drawbacks because it's you know quite time constraining and financially quite constraining as well. But I'll do these things because Rocky's story deserves to be told, so I'm going to tell it in the best of my ability. So you've also got a group on Facebook, which mm-hmm. uh, I'm a proud member of because it's great to see when I do go onto social media and things pop up and I see that it puts a smile on my face. Now, if anybody wants to join that group and, and, and see that the, the posts that go in there, not just from yourself, but by, by other contributors, by other members of this group who have that appreciation for Rocky, which group is it on Facebook that they can go on to find it? It's called Redemption, the Life of Rocky Marciano. 
So it's titled as the book, The Redemption, The Life of Rocky mm-hmm. Marciano, the Facebook page. Obviously, you are on Facebook. Is there any other social media channels that people can get at you on if maybe they listen to this and they feel they've got some sort of contribution? Or I know you've got a lot of great photos in the book, and I know you've been able to source some fantastic stuff for that. But if anybody comes out after listening to it and thinks, oh, actually, I've got something here, or somebody that knew him, or somebody, maybe even one of his distant family members that has something how could they get hold of you to pass that on they can get hold of me i've messed around sometimes with twitter i'm not on there very often but occasionally i'm on there so just check out again redemption the life of rocky marciano or john cameron 72 and the same with instagram as well just check out john cameron 72 or redemption the life of rocky marciano if not they can more than happy for them to email me i've got a dedicated email just for the research side of the um of, of the project so i'll ping you that email they're more than more than happy for them to reach me on that i love hearing from people so if anyone's got any any information anything they want to share then please reach out i'm at the end of the line somewhere <laughs> so just to summarize then in your words john book one what have people got to look forward to once they pick this up so essentially book one 417 pages with photographs never before seen that's been sent by the family follows Rocky's life from 1923 to 1949 was obviously born in 1923 follows him in great detail through his youth shows about his love for baseball has photographs in there of when he was playing for the St. Patrick's CYO youth team as a as a child pictures of him when he was at Brockton High School goes through his army career, goes through his amateur career, into his early professional career, tells his stories about his early professional fights. Also gives a little bit of detail and depth as well about all of his opponents, because I think it's very, very important that the people that he faced aren't just footnotes, it's that they're remembered too, because at the end of the day, they might have ended up on the floor, but they still were in the ring with Rocky Marciano, so their stories deserve to be told. There'll also be stories in there about how some of his fights ended earlier than just being knocked out because the New England Commission of Boxing ruled that if a Rocky Marciano had an opponent in trouble, then the referee was to stop the fight immediately because they feared for the opponent's safety. And of course, that fateful night against Carmine Vingo when Rocky was not under the New England Boxing Commission and their worst fears almost happened. So all of that will be in the book. Great detail, great depth. Uh, There is stuff in there that nobody who's ever read any other Rocky biography has ever heard because it's come from the people that knew Rocky from really deep research. And they're always... And they're always the best ones. I always find they're exactly. the best. The best versions to have is is when somebody who knows him directly or somebody who knows the person you're speaking about gives that input because there's no better way of getting that information than than some so in some way, shape or form from the horse's mouth. So I think it's um I think it's great. It's great what you've done. I'm really excited to get into it uh, and really give it a deep dive. And I'm looking forward to obviously this episode being released and and then in line with our Rocky Marciano career profile, it'll be back out again so people can pick this up and, you know, people will hopefully, off the back of listening to this, guys, if you, you know, you've enjoyed listening to John, please 
please do get in touch with him. Go on his group, join it on Facebook. Make sure you drop him a line, drop him a review on Amazon. That's so important that you do that. When he's got that on there, because it's an independent project, the more reviews that he gets on there, the quicker it gets him into the best-selling chart for books of that genre, the quicker it gets him into a position where more people will see what he's doing and the great work that's out there. There's so many great boxing books out there at the moment from different mm-hmm. publishers. John, obviously, you've you've took all this time and effort to do that. And I know that you've got part two coming up, and I know that there's a lot of things that you're, you're trying to do to achieve part two in its best and its entirety. So I know that you're looking for a bit of support when it comes down to the research. So, you know, if people do want to provide a little bit of additional support, how can they go and do that as well? Thank you for bringing that up, Sean. Yeah, um, literally today. I mean, it was something that I was a bit adverse to doing because I don't want to be somebody who, who wants to reach out for any financial assistance. But because of the short time scale I've got, I know I've got some information that I still need to try and obtain. And and anyone who goes on to Amazon to buy the book, you'll see it's it's relatively cheaply priced i haven't priced it overly expensive because i want as many people as possible to be able to afford to buy it and read rocky's story so essentially today i've set myself up a gofundme page it's only going to be running for up through february into early march and it's just if anyone would like to contribute anything at all to help towards funding the research then please go on the gofundme site and you'll see it there it's rocky marciano volume two research Anyone who does decide that they want to contribute a little tiny bit, five pounds, whatever, then their name will get mentioned at the end. When I finish the whole project, they'll get mentioned as a research funder in in Redemption, the Life of Rocky Marciano, Volume 2, which will be 1950 to 1969. So that's just a slight little incentive, and it will help everyone and make sure that the bar that's been set by the first volume, which, as you say, is, is... just been received phenomenally well it's got all positive reviews so far on amazon make sure the volume two is as good if not better than the first well what people don't understand about what we do john and i think it's i always try to educate people myself with our podcast is like the, the sort of support that people give us independently uh you know that even that little bit of financial it does go a long way and the reason it goes a long way is because you know if we want to get access to certain archives or we want to get access to certain bits of literature a lot of the time that cost us the money to do that without mm-hmm. actually having any financial support from any backers or anybody in particular so there's that absolutely no shame in, in putting that out there because we do with our patreon membership service and i think it, it's it's about educating and preserving the sport and what you're doing is preserving rocky marciano's legacy in your way of doing it and 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 the information that's out there so if anybody can do that for john please do go and do that because that will be such great support to allow him to be able to well, essentially, speeds the timeline up a little bit because if he gets access to the stuff he needs uh, yeah. and, and he's able to do that a bit quicker, then, hey, that's great. So that'll also be in the links, guys. The link to the GoFundMe will be in there and it will be across social media. Uh, please do go and check it. As as little or as much as you want to do, please do. And we appreciate the support that you're giving to John. John, it's been a pleasure. Thank you so, so much for coming on. Thank you for giving us the detail about the book, everything to do with what you've been doing with the book and also the information about Volume 2. Thanks so much. It's been a pleasure to have you on. 
thank you very much for the opportunity. I greatly appreciate it. Any chance I get to talk about Rocky and to plug the fact that his story is out there, isn't this great? Thank you very much, Sean. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW group. Void prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.